Hello, hello. Welcome back, leading women in tech. How the devil are you? How is your day? How is your week? How is your month? Heck, how's 2021? We're now halfway through. So how are things going? Are some of your dreams coming true this year? I'll be feeling a bit stalled, a bit stagnant. Or are you plowing forward and getting on with all the stuff you're dreaming about? Wherever you are, know that I am championing you. And today's guest on the show is an amazing inspiration champion for all women. And we're going to be hearing her words of wisdom. So if you're feeling a bit stuck, a bit stalled, you need to listen to this episode. But before we dig in, I want to tell you about a couple of little things. Now, I'm recording this a little bit ahead of schedule. But I wanted you to know that I have two exciting things coming. Um, They may well already be booked out because I am talking to my network. You're going to hear about networking in today's episode (laughs) and you'll realize how powerful it is. And this is actually one of the ways that I fill a lot of my programs is my network gets first dibs. And so here we go. I have two programs I'm opening up, which are coaching where we're going to curate a couple of groups. There's going to be one group that's VPs on their way to the C-suite, VPs, senior VPs, anybody who's like, I am destined for that boardroom, I'm ready for that seat. And the other group is going to be middle management. So directors, possibly even senior product managers, senior project managers, anything like that, but who are taking on more of the director type roles. Um, Job title is not actually that important to either of these groups. It's more about the barriers you're facing in your career, because the whole point of these group events is... I want to get a group of women around the table who are experiencing similar things and they can learn from each other. Because coaching is fabulous. As you know, I'm a big advocate for coaching. But at the end of the day, when you work with other peers, with people who are facing similar things to you, they will have issues that you didn't even realize you were facing. Them vocalizing it and then getting support from me as the coach or from other women in the community who faced it is such a powerful leg up. I am seeing this in my own career right now as a business owner. I am in a group with other business owners. I still have my one-to-one coaching, but that is just hearing other people at my stage going through some of the things I think, oh, that's happening to me. So damn powerful. So I am bringing this to Tony Collis Coaching. If this sounds like something you want to learn more about, it is on a first-come, first-served basis, but it is also fairly heavily curated. It's really important to me that these groups are about lifting each other up. So you have to get on a call with me. <laughs> but don't worry, my calls are very friendly, super easygoing. This isn't a hard sell. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to figure out whether or not you and I are a good fit and whether I believe you're a good fit for the community that I'm building and whether or not we're going to up-level you. If this isn't the kind of support you need, I will be upfront and tell you that. I do turn people away because I'm like, this is not what you need. You need this other thing. Or, you you know, I am not the kind of support you need right now. And I will be upfront and honest about that with you. So if this sounds good, head over to tonycollis.com forward slash work with Tony. And you can go and book a discovery call in at the bottom of that page. Just click on the link and we'll just have a chat. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing more complicated. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about today's guest. The amazing Rusham Mocha is joining us today. Rusham is an influencer. She describes herself as a thought leader, but she's also a best-selling author, a keynote speaker, and, well, a woman in tech evangelist. She is an amazing technology leader in her own right, but she also empowers professionals 
by articulating complex technology capabilities in her crisp, clear, and attainable business solution and benefits. Her extensive career portfolio includes leadership roles in companies such as Oracle, AWS, VMware. She has built high-performing teams, and hey, we're all here for that, right, to support over $2 billion worth of U.S. business. Yes, really. So she's based in the U.S., but her personal story, which we're going to talk about today, starts all the way back from an arranged marriage in India that meant she fled India and fled to the United States to find her true American dream where she is today. She now uses the skills, the lessons, the experiences she had along the way to empower women to discover, visualize, and actualize their success. I mean, this woman is a true inspiration. She's been recognized as a top 100 keynote speaker, and she's spoken at global conferences and organizations, including Women Who Code, China-US Innovation Summits, John Hopkins University. I could go on. The list is endless. So without further ado, let's welcome her to the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Russian. I am delighted to have you here. I'd love you to start with your personal career story. Like, why are you here today? Thank you so much, Tony. I'm so excited to be on the podcast today. Why am I here today? Well, I'm here today because about 15 years ago, a young girl made a decision to not bow down to the system that... Um, forced her into an arranged marriage and decided to move to this country to to build a life of her own, to be on the journey where she finds herself through her own eyes as opposed to somebody else's eyes. And uh, that was me 15 years ago when I decided that I wanted to wanted to build my own life on my own terms. And I moved to this country and being a woman of color in technology field, I had a lot of biases that I had to deal with. I was passed over for promotion numerous times in my life. I had a seat at the table numerous times, but not voice at the table. Ah. And my ideas were stolen. And basically, you know, that gave me that insight into into what needed to be changed in the system and what needed to be changed within myself to make sure that I truly had a voice at the table. So in last five years, I have been working a lot to figure out how I can empower other women and how I can empower organizations to truly build an inclusive culture. So I, I, that I've not heard all of that before, even though we were chatting before this podcast. 
I didn't know the story about the arranged marriage. Uh, my heart goes out to you. I can't even imagine what that must be like because I'm an incredibly privileged white woman sat here. What was it, do you think, that set you apart from others? What gave you that push to be different, to not bow down, to follow that fire in your belly that said, no, there's another way? I think I'm a risk taker. I I jump in. I like to plan, but I'm not I don't plan extensively. I I truly believe that uh, that every problem has a solution. I truly believe that, and uh, and it's up to you to find that solution. So for me, it was always, what can I do? I can't expect everybody else to change around me. What can I do myself to make my life better? And you know the the easy thing would have been my parents should understand me the culture and society should change maybe i wasn't born in a royal lineage where where this was expected out of girls or the other thing could have been what can i do today to change my future and that's what i did and that's how i charted out my journey how i'm going to leverage my sponsors how i'm going to build a career that allows me to move into another country because as you know moving from india to us is not like pack your bags and go right <laughs> and you need proper visas there's a lot of um, red tape involved in that so so i charted that plan out for myself but i was very clear that i was not going to let anybody decide my life for myself so that way i was a risk taker i um it's funny when i when i moved to this country the day i was supposed to get on a plane i was nervously walking on on the roof of our house because in india the houses are flat and you can actually be on the roof as opposed to us where the houses do not have the ability to, for people to be on the roofs but i was walking nervously and my mom said to me she said you're really pacing like what's going on and i said well i'll tell you something but but please don't overreact and she said she said okay i said i'm going to us tonight i have a plane ticket for tonight and she says okay that's fine because i used to come to us and go back business trips used to happen frequently and she says so when are you returning and i said never and she said what i said yeah i'm not returning she says okay let's go get you a pressure cooker because you can't cook without a pressure cooker <laughs> we need to get you one of those it is it's an interesting reaction to being told it's that a, your daughter's leaving the country yeah he has been my pillar of support and and one of the reasons why i could take blindly jump into things and say what can go, go wrong i'll either learn something or i'll come out successful which is which is the the motto that i live with now Yeah, I love that and we're going to touch on a lot of this. I definitely mentioned sponsors there and a large part of what I want to talk to you about today is sponsors. And also I love the fact that you have that pillar in your life. I think many of us who have got that fire inside of us, who have been able to break out of a status quo that's unacceptable, have the privilege of having a support network of some description that has built us up to that. I know that my mother has let a fire inside of me I, and 
I honestly don't think I'd be here today if I hadn't had her or somebody else like it might not be my mother. And if you're listening to this podcast and thinking, I don't have that, there may be somebody in your life who's like that. I want you to go and find that person, the person that pushes you and says, you can do this. I believe in you. I think many of us have that. Some of us don't know it. Some of us are very lucky they've been there with us since day one. Not all of us are that lucky. So if you're listening to this and thinking, I don't have that, just go out and have a look because you might be surprised. But to come back to you, Rusham, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about what it, what you mean when you said that you had a seat at the table, but not a voice at the table. Because getting women a seat at the table is something I'm incredibly passionate about. And it's interesting you said that because I've seen that happen, but I think the audience would benefit from some, what it means to be in that situation, having a seat, but not a voice. And as you said, also having your idea stolen. Give us a bit more insight into that. Yeah, so um, so for me, I think I've been um, incredibly lucky and privileged to be able to get to a position very quickly where, where I was in leadership role early on in my career, which essentially meant that um, that I had a seat at the table in a lot of discussions. But I, you know, that, having that seat and being in that leadership meeting but not being heard is very very painful i might as well not be there then and and those those were the situations where i really realized how important it was to actually have a voice rather than just having a seat so for example there would be strategy discussions that would be going on and because and and remember biases show in different ways and forms, right? It was not just about me being a woman, but I was also considerably younger than other men who had this at the table. And then there is like, okay, but these people have done this for 20 years and they know what they're talking about. You, I'm not too sure. You are this young looking woman over here who has just joined the leadership team. Not sure how much you bring to the table. So I would, I would get those vibes. I would, there would be comments that would be made or, or there would be like, when I moved to this country, it was all about, yeah, but you're from India, your culture is different. Or there would be comments that would show up saying, yes, but that works only in India. And I'm like, no, leadership principles work anywhere. They're cultural nuances, but that's where the diversity of thought comes in diversity of experiences comes in and that is how we create unique solutions so uh, so that's what i mean by having a seat at the table not voice at the table and in my last two roles i've really been very careful about picking the jobs and picking the roles and and identifying companies where I want to work, where I truly have a voice at the table and not just seat at the table. Yeah, I think that is so key. And I think, sadly, many of us, especially those of us who get to uh, the bordering relatively early, I did. Um, and you do find that people don't take you as seriously because you're young. And then we have the double-edged thing, of course, that as we age, as women, we're more judged for being old than men are too. It's like, we can't win, right? <laughs> If if you could do anything differently, what would you have done differently in that first role, do you think? I think I would have phrased some of my conversations differently. I was, um, I would have framed my sentences differently. I've learned that over years. 
I have also learned that different people react to feedback differently. So I would call some people out in public and that was, that would just not work well with them. I'm not saying that I would not call them out today, but I would call them out in a different setting in a different way. Because I'm always going to call people out if, if, uh, you know, if I'm not heard or if I see uh, something that's not acceptable to me happening with another another person and I see um, bias seeping into the conversation, I would definitely, definitely talk about it and call it out. How I would do it would be very different. Early on in my career, I the choice of words was not not great. Over years, I have understood what works with one person doesn't work with another. So you have to fine-tune your message such that the calling out leads to an, a positive action as opposed to a reaction. Mm, yeah. Yeah, calling out is, is a hard one to get right, I think. And many of us, especially if we've got this fight in us of like, this is unfair. I certainly know that when I started calling things out, especially around inclusion, I got it wrong and, and learning how to do that right is, is a tricky one, which brings us actually nice into unintentional segue to talking about mentors and sponsors. Because I certainly know that that was very important for me, not just getting up to the boardroom, but learning how to leverage it. This is a topic I know you're incredibly passionate about and actually the main reason I wanted you on this show. Let's start off with, can you explain to me the difference between a sponsor and a mentor and why we as women in tech need to be cultivating both types of relationships? So if I had to put it in one sentence, I would say that mentors are someone whom you speak to and sponsors are people who speak about you. And that's the difference. So sponsors are your biggest cheerleaders. They are there for you when you are not there. Uh, they have a seat at the table. They have a voice at the table. And they are cheerleading. They're promoting you. They're cheerleading for you. They're putting you out there for any possible opportunities that arise and really are, are looking out for you. And, uh, and that's what sponsorship is all about. Now, do you go and ask a person to be your sponsor? No. Uh, the moment I would say somebody would be my sponsor and somebody would think, oh, my God, you know, she wants money. No, I don't want to give you money. <laughs> um, so so sponsorship um, sponsorship is essentially somebody who is who is just providing that is the wind under your wings, essentially. Yeah. So I mean, actually, that's an interesting point. You said you don't go out and ask somebody to be a sponsor because I've had people come and work with me who are like, I can't get ahead because I don't have sponsors. Um, and they're so stifled by that. They, they're almost crippled by lack of action because they feel that they can't do anything without a sponsor. And once they've learned the power of a sponsor. So how can we go around cultivating sponsors Yeah. Um, so that we can get that wind under our wings? So... I have a whole LinkedIn learning course around this journey and I have a bunch of videos on YouTube, but to put it in a nutshell so that we don't take up all the time on this podcast, there's three critical pieces to, to uh, leveraging sponsorship. The first and the foremost piece is to identify who can be a sponsor for you. And this is when you scout through your network, your intellectual network to identify 
who are the people who are influential in power have their values their values are similar to your values because that's important too mm-hmm. and are, can truly be your cheerleaders so that's the first step you identify those people you have initial conversations with them to make sure i mean they they incredible market experts and industry leaders that i thought would be great sponsors and i have that first call with them and i realize our values don't match yeah right so if you put it out there hey i want you to be a sponsor and then have that first call not the right move because <laughs> then you don't want them as sponsors so that's the first step identify who can be your sponsor then build that relationship with them which is by providing value to them and that's important piece like you can't just expect them to do something to you because when sponsors be, become your cheerleaders they're basically putting their credibility online for you and they would not want to do that if they don't have the confidence in your abilities and they haven't seen what you can do so it's important to prove yourself to the sponsors first mm-hmm. and then leverage them to get to the next stage so those are the three key steps in in cultivating a relationship and building a pool of sponsors for yourself and we will link to both the linkedin course and those youtube videos in the show notes so if you're listening and wanting to learn more about that do not worry rishim's got you covered we'll make sure that those are in the show notes head over to your podcast player right now to grab that Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about some of the mindset challenges that we as women in particular face as we climb up the corporate ladder, getting to the boardroom, getting that voice at the table as well as the seat at the table. What are some of the biggest mindset challenges you see us facing as women? I think there would be three that I would like to point out. One is, if I do good work, I'll be compensated for it. that's the biggest <laughs> biggest mindset uh that i see everywhere the second one is i'm very focused on my work and i don't have time to build my personal brand yes that's a biggie as well actually and i think a lot of people deal with the money one but then don't deal with the brand one they they get to a point where you just not had a pay rise and it gets frustrating and yet the brand is something we forget about so i'm excited to hear the third third one is i'm at the stage where i don't need to network ooh that is interesting i've heard women at every stage of their career tell me that i've heard women tell me they don't need to be on linkedin in corporate america and i'm like mm, no my love you do <laughs> a lot of recruiters start and finish their search on on linkedin and so if you're not there you're missing out um and networking is a large part of that and and some people sometimes sometimes it manifests in terms of time as well i don't yes. have time mm. network and i've heard that often too and my response to that one is you're the only one who can network for everything else you can find help that is absolutely completely true i i was add to that one i don't think you can afford to not have the time to network because when you need it you're not going to have the time when you need your network in place when you need a job like that you're not going to have the time anymore and and the biggest piece is i think we have to get smarter in terms of understanding uh what are non negotiables right yes 
cooking dinner, somebody else can help you out with that. You can pay somebody some dollars to cook dinner. Yes. And I understand we all want to be perfect caregivers. But there are people available to help you. Nobody else can network on your behalf. Mm-hmm. You're indispensable when it comes to networking, building your brand. For everything else you need, you have help. You can outsource. So, so diversify where you spend your time and use that very effectively. I think you hit the nail on the head there when you were talking around, we feel like we have to be perfect. I think there's an awful lot of guilt that we have. Society tells us that we have to be perfect. Society tells us we have to be perfect parents. We have to be perfect daughters. We have to be there for everybody. We can't possibly... I remember fighting outsourcing the cleaning. My husband was like, we need a cleaner. And I was like, no, I'm supposed to do that. No, I wasn't. <laughs> and we you know, fight that. You bring up such a good point, Tony. And that was exactly when, um, you know, as you know, two years ago, I, I wrote a book called Fast Track Your Leadership Career, which was a bestseller in within 11 hours of its release, um, Amazon number one bestseller. And when people read that book, they started reaching out to me saying, how do we take this conversation forward? And that's when I started the EVO or the Empowered Women of the World Initiative. And basically, the thought process behind that was that we wanted women leaders to be able to discover, visualize, and actualize their success, whatever it meant to them, not what society had created as a definition of success for them. And this is so, so important because I grew up in a country the success meant that you were either a doctor or a law, um, or an engineer. If you were not a doctor or you were not an engineer, you were nobody, basically. And I was that nobody. So it was very important for me to define and provide women a platform where they could define success for themselves. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. If you see your success as being at home and taking care of kids, yes, all power to you to be able to do that because because that's a full-time job in itself. And and by doing that, you're changing lives of so many people of future generations by raising your kids right. So that's success too. And nobody should be able to take that away from you. Nobody should be able to define your life for you. You have to define your own life. And that is so important. I absolutely love that you said that. I've been just smiling from ear to ear there because everything you're saying is resonating so strongly. I I remember getting a lot of pushback early on in my work around improving equity, diversity, and inclusion, particularly with a focus on women, because I had actually a number of male colleagues who said to me, my wife doesn't want to excel. She wants to be a stay-at-home mom. And I was like, what I'm talking about is giving permission to women to do whatever they want. If that means be a full-time mom, I, I want them to feel that they can do that and not be judged for, by society for not doing it. And equally, the women, I work with a number of women right now who if, in private conversations with me are completely honest that they do not want to be the primary caregiver. They adore their children, but the idea of spending more than a couple of hours a day with them right now until they're a bit older horrifies them and we have so much guilt around that and I'm like the best thing you can do for your kids right now is to show them an amazing role model have a small amount of really high quality time with them and bring home the dollars that 
allow them to have a great quality of life. If you don't want to be a stay-at-home mom, don't beat yourself up about that. And I think we need to have that conversation more as women. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that you can do to your kids to to bring them up uh, more responsibly is to allow them to be authentic by being authentic yourself, right? Absolutely, 100%. And this is this is so critical. So, you know, being a, being a global speaker and keynote speaker, I often get an opportunity to bring my kids along. And they have seen me. The, my daughter, who is now eight years old, has been on a few of the fireside chats because we are doing them virtual now. And she's been a part of that. My son, who is 11, has been part of some of the conversations. It's because I want them to see. I'm trying to drive that mindset change in them to to be authentic, to be real, but also to understand and have that appreciation for diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Like, let's model the behavior we want in our kids by doing it in ourselves first. We quite often have a disconnect there between how we want our kids to be and how we're treating ourselves. So yeah, we should we should all really listen to that. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit more about some of the specific skills and behaviors you would like to see us as women cultivating more to grow our leadership careers, because you're on the same mission as me. Let's accelerate the women around us. If you had to name the top three things you see women needing to do more to grow their leadership potential, what would you say those things are? Well, that's a hard one to put down in three, but I'll try to do a good job. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, know what your superpower is. Identify that for yourself. Use that superpower to get the sponsors that you need to get to the next level. And then third is to build your intellectual and support framework. That is extremely, extremely important. And here I want to want to dive a little bit deep into this one because people don't understand when you talk to talk to them about the support framework. Most often when when women think about support, they think about emotional support or they think about logistic support. Who's picking up the kids today? Who is taking old parents to doctors? Who is helping me out with grocery today? There's much more than that. What is your financial support system look like? Many of us stay in wrong jobs and wrong relationships way too long because we do not have the financial support system that we need. What is your intellectual support system? Many of us have startup ideas that that stay ideas because we don't have an intellectual support system to even bounce those ideas off with somebody. So take a very holistic approach to your support system, support framework. And and really that is the key to get to the next level. So that understanding is very, very important. So what could people do to, if, if they're in the situation of not having a financial framework, for example, what can people do to actually build that? Like, what are you suggesting people go out and do? Well, um, diversify, I would say. <laughs> For me, I had to learn the whole business over here when I moved 15 years ago. I came, I kid you not, I came here to United States with a job that paid me $2,700 a month. And that's all that I had. 
all by myself, trying to figure out where to live, trying to figure out how I'm going to commute from my office to home. And all I had was were those $2,700. So understand, I had to understand how to budget. I had to understand how to bring build my credit score in this country because I came from a country where there's no concept of credit scores. Um, I had to learn a lot of things. I had to learn how I will have some passive streams of income and how I can work through those. So you have to really spend time to understand that and that is that is very very critical the other piece that i would say is that there is a lot of information that now exists like we we exist in a world where anybody and everybody can actually create content and put it out there so there is a lot of content that's out there where people share a lot of this information take time 30 minutes every day from your schedule and invest in yourself a lot of this stuff, actually, I've now started posting on YouTube because I realized that my audience wants some of that stuff in terms of how how to build those support systems, how to be more productive, how to find time, how to invest in yourself. And that's something that I'm putting it out as content to them because I realized that there is so much information that people need. And uh, and really, you know, that's how I did it. I did not go to any special classes or I didn't spend thousands and thousands of dollars to learn all this. But I had a very clear idea of what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. And that's important. Having that, And that's why, you know, in that EWOW's mission of discovering, visualizing and actualizing becomes so important because you first have to discover where you want to be you have to visualize what your goals are going to look like and then you have to create a plan to actualize them. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's just, move sideways a little bit here to um, actually changing jobs because right now a lot of the tech industry, there's a lot of job movement as we're coming out of COVID and I think these frameworks are so important for that and if somebody's feeling stifled, they're not taking action. So, if somebody is looking at transitioning their career right now, ideally, I'm always here for you to up-level audience. <laughs> it's not just transition, although sometimes that's the fastest way to get out of a toxic situation. Sometimes it is about up-leveling. What are your top networking tips for helping people as they go through a career transition? So first and foremost, I think the biggest thing to understand is that networking takes time. If you need a job today and if you reach out to your network, Know that for that network to ignite the right kind of uh, opportunities for you, it's going to take good six months, six six months to nine months. So that is something that people don't realize. People say, oh, I've started networking, but really nothing is materializing. Well, because you're expecting it to materialize in one week and that doesn't happen, right? So, so networking is an ever-going long-term goal that people should have. And as they start thinking about it, you have to know that you have to be patient with your network. So that's the first and foremost thing. Uh, you need to bring some value to your network as well. People need to understand who you are and what you do. So those casual conversations are really important. I actually have time set up on my calendar every week. I won't network with two to three people, just build relationships. Now, these people might not be, I'm not a quantity person, I'm more of a quality person. So I have 
people in my network uh, whom I want to continue building the relationship with. And that's important. I've seen extreme OCD people who maintain spreadsheets around networking. I don't I was going to say, I actually, for when I was working in the C-suite, I had a spreadsheet for my networking. You did? I was one of them. I'm a logistics lady. I like to be organized. <laughs> I was one of them. I like to see, when was the last time I checked in with this person? I don't do it now. When you think I would now as a coach. Now I'm a lot more organic. Yeah, I'm, I'm a lot more organic too in my approach. And, and it's like, there would be times when I would read something and I would be like, hmm, you know what? This person in my network would find it useful and I would just shoot them an email and send them a link. Or there are times when I just text them. I'm thinking about you. I just saw that, thought you would enjoy it. And that's what keeps the relationship warm and going because people just connect with people on LinkedIn and then they think that their job is done about networking and that's not done. I mean, I have over 8,000 connections of followers now on LinkedIn. I forget the number. But there's so many of them whom I haven't even met or don't know about, right? So if somebody approaches me saying, I see this person in your network, do you think this person would be fit for this job? The time, If I know about the person, I would say yes. But there are other times when I'll say, you know, this person is a connection or a follower, but I've never ever met them or had a conversation with them. So I really can't speak to their caliber. And that's what you want to avoid. You do not want to be in somebody's network and people not knowing about you. Yes, 100%. I mean, I'm one of these people that I basically accept all connection requests. There you go, people. If you're listening, connect with me. I will always accept because it's a good thing for our networks. But there are people that will come to me. I do that all the time too because essentially everybody who is out there is is your customer in some way or form, right? Yes. Um, and And... Anybody who says that they are not in a selling business do not have it right because we all sell. We sell ourselves to our kids. We sell ourselves to our (laughs) relationships. We are all selling ourselves all the time. So yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. I hear that often. I don't know this person. Why should I expect this person in my network? Because that is how you build your network. (laughs) It's also with LinkedIn, it's about your... When you are looking, when somebody's searching for your skill set, even with recruiters, it's ordered based on their network. So first, connections first. If you are then connected to somebody within their network, you're going to come up higher than if you're not. So accepting these requests is actually like just a good thing for you because you're more likely to get headhunted people. So I love that, everyone. Um, well, let's talk a little bit, Just to, we're coming to the end here and I really want to get on to risk taking because... You talk a lot about taking risks and how that can help us as women. Can you explain why you think we need to take more risks and what sort of risks you're advocating? Because I'm sure you're not talking about jumping off a bus. So (laughs) what are we advocating here? So I am advocating for calculated risks over here, right? Do your pros and cons. I always have a pro and con list for every action that I'm going to do. But what I'm... What I'm not advocating for is to take so much time and overthink the situation that you miss on that window of opportunity that's there. Take calculated risks. Do your research. Understand what it will involve. And be okay with the kind of sacrifices that you're going to make 
when you're taking those risks. So for example, when I took this risk of moving to this country, I had a very clear understanding of the fact that I might not be able to see my family for years if I move to this country, right? I had to be okay with the fact that I had to, I had to make do with those $2,700 that I'm going to make per month being in the Bay Area. And, um, and those were the risks that I had to take. It would be a cultural change. I was not immigrating to a country as a, as a two-year-old. I was immigrating to this country as a professional, and that'll be a change. I had to be okay with those risks. So the, those were calculated risks that I took. Now, have I taken crazy, uncalculated risks in my life? Yes, I've done that too. But I've quickly realized that those were not the smartest things to do. I, I love that you said there also about, you know, don't not take action because you don't have all the information. Because I think a lot of the time we feel like, I, I can't make the decision right now because I need more. And, and we just, we don't move forward because of that. Which brings us nicely to the final part of the episode where I ask every single guest about a mindset shift that they can take. This is the leadership mindset moment. For those of you who are new around here, this is a simple mindset tip to help you adjust how you act or think on the topic of today's podcast. And I would love for Rishim to offer us a mindset shift on those taking risks, on like when to jump and take that calculated risk rather than waiting and waiting and waiting. What do we need to be doing differently? Understanding that there is, if there is the right time to do something, that time is now. I love it because otherwise it's not going to be there anymore. Love it. This has been simply wonderful. So where can people find out more about you, find out more about your work, connect with you, read that book, watch your YouTube videos? Where can people connect? So the best way to connect with me is either on my website, rashimogha.com, or to connect with me through the EVOV website, which is ewowglobal.com. We can add those uh, links in the show notes, uh, Tony, if you don't mind. And uh, and that's the best way to get to me to understand all the resources that are available. There are LinkedIn learning courses. There is books that are available. Fast Track Your Leadership Career, as well as the guided journal that goes along with it. Then there is the EVO podcast that we do. And, and there are leadership affirmations and gratitude affirmations as well. There's a YouTube channel. There's wealth of resources that's available to not just the women leaders, but also to male allies and um, and our um, non-binary uh, folks as well. That's amazing. Thank you. And yes, we will make sure all of that is in your show notes. Have you any final thoughts that you would like to share with the audience today? If you had to take one step today after taking this, after listening to this podcast, I would say make sure that you go on to LinkedIn and connect with me on LinkedIn and make take that first step to networking. And from there, you can get all the information that you need to get your sponsors in place, to understand what your superpower is and to fast track your leadership career. That is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been an absolute blast. 
I have enjoyed this thoroughly. I wish I'd met you 10 years ago. Uh, I think you would have been an inspiration in my career at that point. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with the audience today. Thank you so much, Tony, for having me on, on this podcast. It was truly a pleasure. I enjoyed my conversation. And I know we talked about having this as a short podcast and time pl- flew as we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Holy heck, wasn't that great? I mean, this woman is a rock star and she has so much to offer. She is a rock star in her own right. And then she's a rock star for how much she helps other women. I've had a blast. I truly hope you've had a blast as well listening to this. Do go check out the show notes. She dropped an awful lot of amazing links in there, but do check out ewowglobal.com. That link is in the show notes. And you'll be able to get all the juicy stuff that she described all that help you need by going to that URL. But remember, ladies, until next time, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as an authentic leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.